Hey everyone, welcome to Kumo's Unfiltered Combos Podcast. Uh, oh my goodness, y'all. Like, I don't even know what episode this is. Hold on, let me run that back. I think this is episode nine. <laughs> um, and I'm really excited about this episode. Um, my next guest for this episode is Aza, who is the previous state, uh, state director for Next Gen America in Arizona. Next Gen America is a progressive organization that mobilizes. 18 to 35 year olds to become civically engaged and vote in crucial elections. Aza also serves an executive board as as an executive board member for the Council on American Islamic Relations. Um, CARE is a grassroots civil rights and advocacy group and America's largest Muslim civil liberties organization. Lastly, she serves as one of the lead organizers for the Phoenix Women's March. Um, and I'm so excited to have you here. Aza, welcome to Kumo's Unfiltered Combos podcast. Kumo, I'm so excited to be here. Also, like, I obsess with your podcast because you're just so real and so raw. And it's just, you know, it's like a breath of fresh air. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Like, it really means a lot to me when people like give me that feedback because it, sh it shows that I'm doing that exactly unfiltered and uncensored. So thank you for that. <laughs> So how have you been, Miss Aza? How's life during a global pandemic? Oh, girl. <laughs> uh, life has been uh, interesting. It's, um, you know, some days you're really good and some days you wake up and you're just like, I hate life. Um, you know, like, how are we going to get through this? Um, but there is that like sliver, is it sliver or slither of hope that you have um, that things are eventually going to get better. So yeah, you know, doing a lot of self-care and, you know, like if you know me, you know, like my self-care is not necessarily like going and getting my nails done or hair done really. Like, yes, that sometimes, but my self-care is more like binge watching Netflix or, you know, comfort food or, you know, those things. Not, not everybody has that luxury for like, um, that fancy self-care nor does it work for everyone right like sometimes self-care is just laying on that couch yes me a potato what about you Kumo? how are you doing um honestly i'm doing all right i think my word for that question is just like i'm here like you know like i'm here i am just navigating um this new world this new life um and just trying to figure it all out. Not even, I don't think trying to figure it out because I feel like that puts pressure on the individual to like figure shit out. But I'm just here um, existing and living as a black woman in a society that is trying to kill us. You know, um, the life expectancy, expectancy of black people actually just recently went down. Um, data just came out that the life expectancy of a black person is getting lower due to COVID um, and police brutality. So yeah, I think I'm just here, um, honestly. So I don't know, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and, and you know, I, I love that you brought up the life expectancy and here is good enough, right? Some days here is good enough. And I, I'm sure you wake up some days and you're like, today's an all right day, I'm feeling good. Mm -hmm. But some days here will do, right? Like that's how you feel and that's how it is. So, uh, but the life expectancy, like, I love that you touch on 
that subject sometimes because it's so important for folks to know, especially the life expectancy for Black women, right? And um, I wouldn't say, I, I, you know, like, of course, Black men as well, but, you know, um, was it Malcolm X that said, like, Black women are the most disrespected women uh, in America? Women in America. So, um, and I wouldn't say it's just in America. I'd say, like, there's anti-Blackness everywhere, right? Mm. So we don't just deal with it here in the U.S., but there's anti-Blackness in, like, Europe and Asia, you know. So it's anti-Blackness everywhere. No, I definitely agree. And I feel like, you know, one, one of the big things about learning more about, like, my Blackness, in, t- in a sense, of learning, because both you and I are from Africa, so we're part of the African diaspora. And, you know, so it's like when you're part of you know, being a black woman who's also has this other identity as an African woman and then her nationality, right? So nationality is attached to that blackness. Um, It's like, you're right, like there's so much anti-blackness even within our own cultures, our own tribes, right? Like where lighter skin is better and then dark skin is looked at like trash, like it's the worst thing ever. So I think it's very crazy to see how like, existing in this day and era where we're literally we're so privileged to have the knowledge and the wisdom that we have currently right now because we're learning a lot that those in the past didn't get the opportunity to obtain all this information and knowledge that we currently have at our fingertips just like bam 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 every day amen sister and and you hit that you know right in the bullseye uh i mean i I spent my childhood in Sudan, right? Um, and there is like anti-blackness. South, South Sudan or North Sudan? Because I know there's... North, well, it wasn't that when I grew up, it was just like one Sudan, but yeah, North Sudan, yeah. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. You're saying you spent your childhood? I spent my childhood in Sudan. And um, one of the things that I really... Um, I grew up watching is like women like using these like whitening creams and like because being lighter was um, not in my family, but like I knew a lot of folks that, um, you know, like they were following that trend like that Eurocentric, like lighter is better, like straight hair is better, mm-hmm. you know, and I saw that growing up. It was crazy, you know? Um, I think when I first started using like facial creams, I remember like just picking stuff that I used to see at people's like bathroom counters and stuff, right? So I remember one day I went with my mom um, to um, um, like the pharmacy, which is where you buy your back home, like your face wash and all of these things. Um, and I wanted to buy a face cream and I was like, mom, I need lotion for my face. And she's like, okay, you know, pick one. And I saw this one that I used to see at everybody's like bathroom counters. Like when I used to visit folks either in Sudan or in Egypt. Right. And I grabbed it and I was like, this is the one I want. And my mom was like, you're not getting this one. And I was like, why? Everyone uses this one. 
And it turns out it was like a whitening cream. And she's like, no, this is not good for you. This changes the way you look, right? So it was like you buy these things over the countertop, you know, like you just go to the store and you're like, here are creams that I can just like put on my face to make myself whiter. Hmm. And, and I, I love that you touched on it's skin bleaching, um, you yeah. know, and, and one of the things too, because for me too, I had um, an aunt who would basically, you know, buy these lightning creams, but I didn't know that it was like lightning creams and like the soaps. And, and now like as a grown up, I'm like, oh shit, like Carol's bleaching or whatever. I'm like, that was actually trying to change my skin color. And I didn't even know that, you know, and it's like skin, skin bleaching is actually a big, big, big problem in the African uh, continent. A lot yes. of women spend millions and millions of dollars on skin bleaching. It's fucking insane. And like, I blame those industries and I blame social media and I blame, I blame social media, right? I blame that, but I also blame ourselves, right? Because we also like have to teach our kids or the kids like to accept what they look like, right? But I also blame social media for putting these standards, right? Like all the time, like, oh, look at how beautiful the straight hair looks or this long hair or this skinny woman or this thick woman, right? Like they're always, like trends are always changing, right? Mm -hmm. Like growing up, it was like, for me in high school, you know, like, and I think Gen Zers are talking about this now, but like being super skinny and wearing like very low pants was the thing for me when I was growing up. So like there were so many eating disorders. And I remember I even used to work out like a crazy person to like stay fit and stay skinny. And now like, tables have flipped and thicker women are like in and it's like you can never keep up with these trends right like some people just can't gain weight I mean lucky them right like mm -hmm. I want to eat like everything in front of me and not gain like 50 pounds just by looking at it but it's I blame it all on trends and like things that are happening right like normalize showing black women with fros everywhere mm -hmm. Because fros are freaking beautiful, right? Like, they are. And you can make a fro into straight hair. You can make it into anything you want, actually. Yeah. And right? I think, yeah, and I think what's happening is that um, we're living in a society where what society deems as beautiful or acceptable is is literally being broken down like people are not doing that anymore i think you know there are times where i'm just like wow like i am so damn lucky to be in this generation and in this era because there's a time where black women weren't even having these conversations right on colorism and skin bleaching there we weren't having these conversations right we knew that it was an issue but like nobody was talking about it right so oh, oh people didn't know what to name it they didn't know what to call it, right? So yes. I, I think it's so beautiful for us, you, because you're lighter skin than me and I am darker skin. So 
it's, it's very interesting for, I think, no, not interesting. I feel like it's such a, an honor to be having these conversations because we have little bl girls, black girls who are watching and growing up in today's society, right? And they're watching us having these conversations. And that's one of the reasons why on my Kumo's Unfiltered Convos podcast um, Instagram page, I actually posted a video without, with me, without makeup on and just telling them, hey, today I really think I'm fucking ugly. <laughs> like, that's what I said that was what I, I said I feel ugly today you know and because I know that there's teenage black girls who are in high school middle school and they're scrolling through Instagram and all they see is perfection all they see is this baddie 110 you know she's a baddie she got her teeth done everything is perfect and I was like, you know what? I want a teenage black girl who's either dark skin, light skin, whatever, whoever you are. If you're a black girl, if you don't identify as a black girl, if you identify as black, I want you to come on my platform and see, wow, she's regular. Like, I don't, not even regular, but like, she's human. Yep. Yep. And that's what I was saying about, like, I blame social media on these standards where people, like, scroll down and you're like, ugh, I've had to unfollow so many pages for the sake of my mental health, right? Like, you can only be strong so many times. There are days where I wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, I look so ugly today. Like, my dark circles are, like extra dark these bags are not designer under my eyes like i'm just <laughs> not feeling good you know and then you go online and i follow all these like meme pages i'm trying to like find something funny and just like giggle but here i am like hey you know try this tea for dieting look at my stomach oh my hair grew with these vitamins within like two months they're only a hundred dollars a month and you're just scrolling and you're like how do people like how are people so perfect and we forget reality that we all like look ugly so many of the days of the year right like we all wake up feeling like crap and we all like have days where we look tired beat up or you know like our lips are chapped or you know like we gained a few pounds or lost a few pounds or got some pimples, but we don't get to see that online, right? Like we don't yeah. see the imperfections. We don't get to see, you know, how, like some, let's say someone, you know, has, you know, issues with their skin, right? You don't get to see the struggles they go through, right? You don't see um, the someone taking that hike, right? Like, let's say it's a hard hike, like you're climbing a mountain. You don't get to see their sweat, blood, and tears climbing up. You only see it when it's successful. So people forget that behind that success, there's always sweat, blood, and tears, right? Like, always. Yeah, and I think that's that's the beauty of my platform. I intentionally named it unfiltered. I, agree. <laughs> I, I just agree. named it unfiltered because of that. Because I wanted people to feel. Because my whole life is unfiltered. Like I don't like fake shit. I don't like trying to be something that I am not. Like I'm just. This is me. Everybody knows. Like oh, Kumo, she gonna keep it real with you. <laughs> like Kumo will tell you she doesn't like something. You know what I mean? And and I love that about myself because. I feel like, again, like with social media, like there's a good to it. 
don't get me wrong. Like, I feel like there's so much good to it. I've met so yep. many amazing people through social yep. media, but my hate for social media is that it's very rare that you see people share, like you said, their loads, right? Like going to the mountain. How did it, how did you get to where you're at? Right? Like sometimes we only show people the, the the success instead of showing people the beginning stages and that's what i like about my platform because i i'm gonna keep videos of me when i look like shit i'm gonna keep videos of me when i didn't have a mic when i didn't sound my best right when when i didn't have so many followers like my shit and that's been one of the biggest things that has really been bugging me but i'm learning to just be like cool well, this is real life not everybody's gonna like your post, no, but not everybody's gonna, you're not gonna get a lot of likes some days. But I wish, I wish more people were like that, right? Like documenting their journey, right? Like you're documenting your journey to your greatness and however you define greatness, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's like followers or impacting a few people's lives or, you know, like for like the definition of greatness and success to everybody is different, right? But you're documenting it, right? Like you're showing the struggles, like your daily struggles. I, I think it's beautiful. And I wish more people could see that because it's more motivating, right? Mm -hmm. So like you wake up and you see someone saying like, I feel ugly today. You're like, I can relate to that. I feel like that sometimes. People actually feel like that sometimes. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. like, and especially younger teenagers, right? I'm at an age where I know people feel like this, right? Like, this is just life. We some days feel like crap, feel like shit when we wake up, you know? Yeah. Um, but teenagers at such a critical age don't realize that this is life yeah and i think and that's why it's like we're such at a critical point in our society where yeah. where we're very we're considered like the most progressive society the most progressive generation right so like yeah. the way that we and progressive what that means is just the way that we think it's very like advanced we're open-minded people we're like inclusive and not just using that as a tokenizing tool but we really are inclusive and embodying what it looks like to be a, 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 a person of equity and building equity right so i think that with with this generation like i'm proud to have conversations with you Aza, because it's like oh in the past this wasn't the norm this wasn't acceptable right like me it was almost like team dark skin versus team light skin right so to be having these conversations is like we're really doing something to the younger generation who's watching because they're watching yeah I, I i'm glad you brought that up so my best friend and my cousin who's dark-skinned right mm -hmm. um and like these conversations used to come up not within the family, but around us, right? And I was in such denial to this conversation. To I wouldn't say I discredited or devalued what she was saying, but I'm like, come on, you're silly. Don't think they don't like you because they're your dark skin. Oh, don't. I, you, I, I just sometimes feel, and I'm just, this is my first time like actually like saying it out loud. I feel embarrassed of the way I reacted half the time to her actually telling me her pain or her struggle over this. 
right? Um, or something that bothered her about like being dark skinned that like in the society or like even back home, like how like they treat family members that are dark skinned versus light skinned or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it feels really crappy thinking about it now because these are the times where like, I and, I and I was a lot younger, I wouldn't say like, this is like the last 10, 15 years, but at the time I'm like, no, you're silly. They, no one thinks like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we weren't having these conversations. You're right. And I just want to acknowledge you just even taking ownership, you know, yeah. because I feel like the only way that we can really move forward is admitting that yes, harm has been done here. Like I thought this way, right? And a perfect example for me when it comes to colorism, I always used to have this idea um, of it just being like dark skin, you know, and light skin. But I recently learned (laughs) that me as a brownest skin, because I'm brown skin, I have one of my closest friends, she's way darker than me. Like she's from South Sudan, so she's way darker. Um, And one of the things about my friend is that she's going to be treated way differently compared to me. And I recently was, you know, um, confronted with this reality that I too perpetuate um, white supremacy in a way of being like, oh no, like, team dark skin it's kind of like excluding the other darker skinned black women in my mind i thought we're all in the same boat like oh because you're dark skinned so we got the same issues the same experiences and that's not true and to somebody called me out um a few months ago one of my friends was like because i was like oh you know i'm a dark skinned woman i got all these issues and she goes come on no you're not she goes you're not dark skinned and i remember feeling offended Because I was like, what do you mean I'm not dark-skinned? Like, I am. Don't tell me. You know what I mean? Like, it just made me feel some type of way. And then I was on Clubhouse. Fast forward two months later, I'm on Clubhouse. And on Clubhouse, they have a (laughs) – shout out to Clubhouse. (laughs) Um, On Clubhouse, they have a conversation on colorism. And these brown-skinned women were saying how they have brown skin privilege. And that's the first time I heard of that. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, shit. I go back to when my friend called me out and said, hey, you're not dark skin. You're brown. You're brown skin. You know, I'm too black, but I'm brown skin. So I have layers to myself that my dark skin sisters and people who are darker skin may not get to experience. You see what I'm saying? So it, it really showed me and it felt shitty. It felt shitty being like, oh, damn, like, damn, like, I have these, like, I've perpetuated this, right? Like, it's embarrassing, and it's uncomfortable, but I think the only way for me to have moved forward was acknowledging, yeah, Kamal, you dropped the ball. Yeah, you didn't know, and you, did, you, you know, you can do better now that you know, because once you know some, uh, something, there's a responsibility. Yep. I think, uh, I, you know, I love that you also admitted it, right? And I think that goes back to that phrase, uh, be woke enough to know that you'll never be woke enough, Mm. right? So there's like, life is just gonna be full of like learning 
you know, and curveballs that are going to be thrown at us, right? Like we walk around thinking that we're woke and we're progressive and then something like that ends up happening, right? To where you come to realize, oh my God, I've been messing up, like sitting here all high and mighty. Well, like, you know, like for example, for me, like my cousin was going through that struggle and I'm just like, oh, that wouldn't be the case. We're all black the same way. We're all, and like living in that denial and not realizing that like, like you said, there's layers, right? So it's like, I feel like I I constantly have to humble myself about wokeness or like knowing things, right? Like on the daily basis, I have to like humble myself, right? Like, and I'm a very like emotional person. So I like read to my, I don't say a lot of my emotions, but I'm one of those that's like, I'm a ball full of emotions, right? So like when I say something like, for example, that whole thing with my cousin, when I think about it, I'm like inside, I'm like just on fire because it hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings that I hurt her feelings, right? And it's not about me, but I'm saying like, it, it, it hurts me that I hurt her feelings. It hurts me that the world hurt her feelings. It hurts me that people hurt her feelings over her blackness. Mm. Wow, that's, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> That's really deep. Um, and I think it's it's important, you know, for us now to have these conversations um, and admitting, you know, where we, because we don't know it all. And that's one thing I always try to make people know about myself, because I know I seem very woke and I know all these things, but like, those are times in my life where I did know shit, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Even yesterday, <laughs> some shit that I didn't know and that's what it is like it's it's humbling to know that it's like you're learning every day and I think the conversations that you're having every day with wokes with with wokes with folks (laughs) what kind of opens your mind about like these different issues and like ways of thinking right you had that conversation in clubhouse and you remember it you are learning that's your daily conversations that's a part of your life now like you're a lifelong learner right yes yes cheers to being lifelong lifelong learners and continuously learning (laughs) (laughs) um so as i have a question for you i have a couple questions actually um so my first question for you is how did you get involved into electoral electoral organizing? Like what sparked yeah. your interest to do this nonprofit? It's very tiresome work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, and I, this is going to sound like super cheesy. Uh, so, but I was, um, so growing up, like we basically were pretty much like displaced for part of like my childhood. Um, because there was a coup in Sudan and my dad was like an activist and he was arrested and tortured and all of this stuff. That's a story for another day. Um, But um, so me, my mom and my sister fled while he was like, we're waiting, we, while he was imprisoned um, so he can come and move with us in Egypt. Right. Uh, So we lived in Egypt displaced like for years 
right? Um, before we were able to get um, resettlement, um, get into the United Nations resettlement program to come here. So we moved here as refugees and that was like an experience on its own, right? Like the cultural shock, the the strike, like it comes with the financial struggles and like figuring out like everything, right? Like everything. It's like, it's a brand new world, right? For everybody in the family. Like my mom went from owning or, you know, being an, a huge interior designer in Sudan and, you know, owning a home there. Um, and my dad was a geologist and we came here and just like lived in a small, like barely even one bedroom apartment. Um, right. Um, so anyways, uh, fast forward, of course, we got up on our feet, my dad and my mom, like many immigrant folks just worked their butt off to like, you know, get our life together here. Um, and one of my dreams was to work with refugees and uh, work for the International Rescue Committee, right? So I was like, oh my God, I, I want to go work for them and I want to help refugees just like us and all that good stuff. So when I was in college, I interned for them. And it was one of those internships that I loved it so much that I just volunteered for a whole year, like three times a week. I just like, I loved it. Um, but as I was doing it, there were so many gaps within like uh, the work, right? Like people were really struggling, right? Like I, as, in, as in like refugees? refugees, refugees were really struggling. And I'm not saying just like adapting. I'm saying that like most refugees, not most, like refugees, when they come here, they pay for their tickets after six months of living here. They actually have to pay back all of their tickets wow. that they like airplane airfare tickets and you know it's just so many things where like they like they can barely afford um you know living without food stamps or you know for a long period of time and i realized how crappy it was uh living on minimum wage when you have like <laughs> three four kids and your wife and you're not speaking the language and healthcare is like basically wasn't even affordable at the time <laughs> you know like not everybody had healthcare still not everybody has healthcare um so I started volunteering uh for a campaign and I got super lucky I just kept getting opportunities one after another I don't know you know I don't know like how I got so blessed uh, but I did. And um, I realized that that was the only way you can get people to do crap, like to change laws and to change policies, right? You talk about police brutality. Yes, change those damn mayors, get new mayors, get new city councilmen and members, right? Why? Because those are the people that actually make decisions for those police departments in your cities. So if you have a mayor that actually believes in police brutality, he's going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. It's his own city. You get to implement the trainings. You get to say things. You get to do things. Right. Right? You get, you get to have a say. Um, so 
it's like these type of things that really keep me going in this sort of work is like the policies and the bills that are always being thrown, you know, in the state ledge or in the cities, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I feel like sometimes the black immigrant um, experience is never really talked about, you know? Um, living, living in America and being a black immigrant because I'm an immigrant too. Like I'm, I came from Zambia, came to the States, lived in Chicago um, and lived in a studio apartment. My mom became a single mom, raising three kids total. Um, and that's when I realized I was like, life wasn't like this for me back home. You know, like I was privileged. I grew up in a, in a home where both of my parents um, you know, my dad was a doctor and um, did some amazing things. And my mom was an accountant. And then for, for, for us to move to the United States where my mom now starts, you know, doing like uh, assisted living type of jobs where she's wiping people's butts um, and working a minimum wage job that pays her literally shitty ass money, you know, and, and seeing like, oh shit, like she's really trying to take care of her kids, provide for her kids. So it was very interesting to see like, wow, this is not what the American dream was. When I, when I would watch TV in Africa, I, I literally thought, <laughs> I literally thought every person yes. in America was fucking rich. <laughs> and my family still thinks we're that way. And I'm like, nah. Like everybody got money. They're fooling you. They're fooling you. But seriously, right? Like I went to a school in Chicago that literally had metal detectors, y'all. And I was in fifth grade. That was my school. I had to go through metal detectors. So it was very interesting to see like, wow, like we're fed this fucking, it's like this narrative of like, America is the only way you can be successful. Don't get me wrong, I love this country, but we need to also keep it a bug with what people experience who are immigrants, people who come to this country and we're almost fed this fucking lie that this country is just this, you know, it's, it's, it's the land of the free, land of opportunities, and it is, however, not every, but like for you, your dad was a gynecologist, like, what was it? Um, a geologist. Geologist. And your mom, like, what was, what, what did she do? He was an, in, like, an interior designer for one of the biggest, like, in their interior designing companies there. Wow. And, and it's like, you come to America, it's, and I've literally had this conversation with so many immigrants and they talk about that. It's like your, your, um, accolades and your achievements, your success, your titles literally mean nothing get, here. Yeah. They get stripped away. They literally get stripped away. They do. And like, and, and I think part of the reason why, like, it's so heartbreaking when I was in them. IRC, like you see grown men crying, like fleeing war, right? Like can't pay their rent and like coming and crying to you. Like, what am I going to do next month? Mm. And like, you're just thinking like, oh crap, like we don't have the funding for this from the government right now. Like we don't have the extra funding for you. What can we do to help you, you know, meet ends need? 
needs or what is the make whatever that make ends ends we <laughs> yeah so yeah no I definitely like, the dignity like people don't understand how like the immigrants sometimes are ripped away from their dignity right like yeah and 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 even to add with that too like one of my like I have such a compassion for black immigrants and just immigrants and yes people at the border I really do because I feel like they have it worse especially if English is your second language it's yes. not your first language you're treated more harshly because of that right so like coming to the states you feel like oh I have to you know follow all these rules if I do anything wrong they're gonna deport me they're gonna do all these things to me and it's like so these these people in power literally abuse immigrants and refugees because like they're like oh they don't know shit right like they don't know nothing yeah. right they don't know english so i'm gonna take advantage i'm gonna overwork them you know yeah. and it's and it's like it's just I, I don't know it's just like a different world you know so the black blackness every day i'm just like yo I thought an I, I had an idea of what it means to be black, but no, I did not. It's literally so many layers to the black experience. And it's different. It's different, especially in America. It is very different. If you are an immigrant, it's even harder. It's even harder, you know? It is, it is, it is. It is because there's like, this intersectionality right like like the language barrier that like the accents or the blackness or the being a woman I mean what part of it do you get to talk about like you don't get to talk about all these things right like you don't it's even, two layers to each part of it right and even just like dealing with like culture shock and you having to move being like oh damn i'm not in the place that's familiar to me right mm -hmm. i'm not where i know everything i know everyone that's not something that's it's like you deal with the trauma i feel like there's a yeah. trauma attached with that yeah i think another thing that like i just thought of right now is the lack of like education that teachers have on like refugee children for example so like some of the schools will have like new kids like and i'm saying new kids i mean i mean um i'm talking about like first second third fourth grade or even kindergarten kids that come in and act out refugee kids and you know the t and i've <clears throat> i've seen this happen and that's why i'm bringing it up but the teachers are like he's so bad and he's this and that well do you realize that this kid has never seen a school before because they lived in a refugee camp they don't know what like sitting in your desk or sitting somewhere that's air conditioned and this nice they don't even know they don't even know their head from their toe right now because they've grown in a freaking tent where some days they probably got to eat good and some days they probably barely got to eat you know mm -hmm. so you know like there's so much to it right like you you get to throw these kids immigrant kids in, or refugee kids in schools right 
but you're not understanding like the psychological damage to it as well, right? Like going into this this new place and then having folks, you know, just look at you different, mm-hmm. right? Because you are different. There's no lie to that. You are different. Not you, like in general. Oh, I, I know. I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Um, my question as of for you is, with you as well being a black Muslim Sudanese woman, right? Mm-hmm. And and how old were you when you moved to to did you come to 13. Arizona? Thirteen. Okay, so you were like in a teenager. So you mm-hmm. being a teenager moving to Arizona, you know, <laughs> as a black Muslim Sudanese woman, did you wear a hijab too? No, I didn't. Wear- okay. Yeah. Because I know like sometimes there's also like a lot of, you know, you either get harassed for that and stuff like yeah. that as a child. So I just wanted to ask, like when you moved to Arizona, were you kind of just like, uh, what is this? Like, what, what was that experience in your th- teenage mind like? Yeah, I can't say, and you're the second person that asked me this today. Uh, I can't say it was a pleasant experience. I was ready to go back home. Like, it was so nice here, right? Like, even our apartment, even though it was one bedroom, it was like, um, like a nice refrigerator. And like, compared to the stuff in Egypt, as we were like, displaced and stuff, but um, it, uh, it was very interesting, because it was, we were so excited about moving here that when we moved here, it was nothing like what I had imagined. The schools were different. I had a hard, I, I had a really hard time in school. I got lucky. I had an amazing teacher, Mrs. Scanlon, shout out to her. And I still keep in contact with her. Um, but it like it was so interesting because it was everything we wanted and we came here and I hated every bit of it. I hated going to school. I hated, I hated all of it. It was scary. It was scary. It was scary going to school every day, knowing that like, I'm not going to understand half the conversations. Um, I'm probably not going to do good in my grade. Like my grades weren't going to be well. And I was I mean, we didn't have the nicest things in Egypt, but we had our savings. Like my parents had their savings and we were able to live decently and go to a private school in Egypt, right? Um, and I, I was always like someone that got really good grades and I came here and I could barely like read a book. I re- had to read like picture books, <laughs> you know? And so it, it just like, it's like these struggles, right? And then, you know, I, you think about being black, but you didn't think about it that much when you were 30, or at least for me, as much, like, it was the least of my worries at the time, because I'm like, I need to be good in school. I need to learn the language. Like, you could have walked up and... Hey. 
Hey y'all, I hope you enjoyed part one of this conversation with Aza. So we will be coming back with part two next week, Sunday at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So y'all stay tuned um, and let us know how you're enjoying this conversation um, on being a black immigrant. If you are a black immigrant or a refugee, um, I would love to hear your uh, feedback on this episode and what's resonating with you and what's not. Um, yeah, so just go ahead and hit us up in the DM um, at Kumo's Unfiltered Convos and I will also be putting Aza's um, IG handles in the description. So yeah, we will see y'all next week and thank you for tuning into this episode this week. Um, but nonetheless, we'll see y'all next week. Peace!